Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <clears throat> Guys, lean in. Big news. It's big news, lean in. It's a new series of the Create More podcast with me, Ben Stewart. Yay! And on this Fortnite's podcast, we have wooden overcoats. Uh, if you've not heard of that before, they are a fantastic comedy podcast. And I sit down with Andy Goddard and John Wakefield, who are the writer-directors of a brilliant comedy podcast. In fact, I'm going to do something totally out of the ordinary for a podcast. I'm going to tell you to stop listening to this one. Go on iTunes or Acast or anywhere else that you want to find it and listen to at least the first episode of Wooden Overcoats and that will probably lead on to a few more but one you should just definitely listen to it but two we have a really long in-depth chat all about how it was made what they do uh, all about the writer David J- D- David K Barnes and I think it would just it would help you a lot to listen to it she should definitely definitely stop and listen to it you've done that good so we sit down for an hour we actually go over to the i've got to give a bit of a shout out to the art space studio in brixton who um which is where the whole uh podcast sitcom was recorded no let me let me take it back a notch what is wooden overcoats it is a podcast sitcom based on a fictionary island about two competing funeral homes uh it's a comedy. Go with me. They describe it a lot better on the po- on the on my podcast, but it's brilliant. And they are two really funny, genuinely lovely, down to earth people. And they gave a massive amount of their time to sit down with me. And we went to the uh, art space studio in Brixton, and uh, I wanted to go there see how they recorded it. See, you know, I've never been to a proper recording studio before. So I, I turn up, and there's a yoga class going on, you know, which is fine to watch for a bit. And then suddenly, you know. John and Andy turn up and uh, get taken to the back, like through this like dodgy looking kitchen. And then in the back, there's this fantastic recording studio. So um, we sat down and again, another special mention to Tom Gillian. I probably pronounced that wrong, but he is the kind of studio engineer for uh, the podcast, for the Wooden Overcoats podcast. And it was great. I just got to sit down and I didn't have to do anything. He set up all the microphones. We're in a professional recording studio (laughs) with professional microphones. It was amazing. I just had to sit there and just talk, which pretty much is what I'm doing in my room right now. Um, But it was brilliant. So, uh, yeah, listen to the podcast. And you all know everything about, well, one, what does a writer-director do for a podcast? What what does a producer do? What is is an actual director's role on a non-visual medium? And uh, also, Andy and John are just, they're lovely. So listen to the podcast. But this is a new 10-part series. So uh, I've got loads of people to interview now. I've actually got quite a few people lined up already. I'm... um, We've got one of the creative directors at a virtual reality company or department from a company called Unit 9. He's a really handsome one. And he is... We're going to go all about the future of VR. And I think 2016 is going to be the future of VR. 
and then I've still got Kidwave and Factory 15 and he does that, that animation and uh, they're kind of I guess think of them as like a, a mini Pixar and they do amazing stuff and then um, someone else I've met before Christmas is Jonathan Steiner who's the founder of OpenDesk uh, that might ring a bell with um, WikiHouse and Alice Department who's someone I interviewed for the last series um, I'm also doing a Kickstarter special I won't go that into too much but that's two cool guys I work with that make and we're going to sit down and have a good chat about what, how the hell you do a Kickstarter why they're cool um, I've also got uh, I'm doing a foreign New York podcast I'm not going to New York we're going to Skype and record it in a technically clever way but he is another podcaster who does these fantastic it's called Between the Liner Notes that's Between the Liner Notes uh, and it's a music-based kind of documentary one. And they're, they're kind of, if you listen to 99PI, 99% Invisible, it's that kind of, oh, I never thought that would be interesting. And you just kind of get sucked into these 20-minute stories, and they're great. So I'm going to talk to all of that, or to him. He's got a successful podcast all about what it's like, and I'm going to try and attempt to over, over Skype. So um, there's loads of stuff to look forward to. So something i do always have to say at the bit of this point subscribe it would be amazing if you subscribe because we have a few hundred people who subscribe now and it makes a real difference every time i release a podcast it just goes straight into your itunes or your or whoever you subscribe with and it makes a real difference but um i'm gonna stop talking uh and listen to the end for a bit of a, a bit of background gossip but i really hope you enjoy the new series there'll be one coming out every two weeks this is coming out on wednesday and then every two weeks after that um uh, yeah, I mean, I will be having a child during that time, uh, a boy, if you're asking, uh, so I have no idea what, uh, <laughs> future podcasts will be like, uh, how much energy I have, I might sound completely miserable, um, or elated, I have no idea, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoy the podcast, enjoy, bye! reason I'm paranoid I recorded another podcast and I realized after five minutes I hadn't only recorded her voice not mine and I was like oh the worst things to happen that's, yeah that's yeah I was like, I'm so sorry anyway well I'm gonna start now so I'm with uh with Andy Goddard <laughs> hi and John I forgot his name. Wakefield Wakefield there you go and the I'm gonna go off your website your website describes you as directors and producer extraordinaires Ooh. of wooden overcoats well, make it clear we didn't write <laughs> Yeah. Write that description. You oh, didn't? Well, our fictional PR. <laughs> I can't say that out loud. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that was all written up by uh, probably Felix. No, David wrote everything. No, David. For the David. Oh, yeah. we, we've been such a good team that our, our writer actually wrote a lot of the stuff for the website as well, I think. I'm yeah. get my notes out. I'm not playing my phone. You're, the writer's but David. David, David K. K. Barnes. Barnes. <sighs> I didn't get my notes that quick. David K. Barnes. Because. Because also on the website, Tom doesn't come off particularly well on the website. He's uh, <laughs> one of the comments on the website is he and he disappears back into obscurity. Oh, oh, that's but uh, that's obviously written by David. That's you a, just said. I think that's deeply unfair. It's, no, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a lovely running joke with Tom because um, after the show we've been doing a lot of uh, uh, live shows as well. That Tom and David have been helming between them. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Tom comes on and uh, introduces David in a very self-aggrandizing way. And then David comes off and gives everyone a wonderful introduction. And then lets Tom come back onto the stage <laughs> and the show starts. <laughs> uh, for the last one, uh, to make up for it, he did a, a list of, <laughs> uh, of adjectives that went on for, a, I think, a good two minutes. Where yeah. he was just going, the, the wonderful, the mellifluous, the extravagant, the terrifying. That, and uh, I, I, think, I think it was 
it was more boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the live shows you do as yeah, well. Okay, yeah. so why don't we start with for people who don't know what wooden overcoats is? Who who wants to describe what? Because it's if as a one-liner for people who haven't listened to it, it's it's a great sell. Um, <laughs> it's a show about two rival funeral directors on an island that's only a mile long. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, the the first question that everyone always goes is like, well, so are enough people dying? And and then I go. Listen to the series. <laughs> <laughs> um, so essentially, one of the well, one of the funeral directors is a guy called Rudyard Fun, who's been there for years. It's a family business going back to oh, what's, what's canon? Is it like fifteenth century? Yeah, the sixteenth, fifteenth uh, century. 16, something like that. A, a long time ago, and he's uh, he's quite um, kind of taciturn and, and difficult. Uh, and not necessarily the best funeral director. Most of his funerals tend to end in mindless <laughs> violence. Uh, and then one day, Eric Chapman arrives on the island, um, and his life is turned upside down when a guy who is essentially the Google of funeral directors comes <laughs> and uh, and shocks everyone by the fact that funerals can actually be quite nice affairs. Uh, most of his turn into parties. He's um, putting the fun <laughs> in funerals yeah <laughs> uh, and that's essentially the setup for the series I mean there's lots of other side characters well lots of other main characters actually um, so living with Rudyard we have Georgie and Antigone who are uh, played respectively by Kira Baxendale and Beth Eyre. Um fantastic actors um, and Antigone is uh, Rudyard Fun's twin sister who uh, due to a utero depression was born a week later <laughs> uh, and Georgie is their sort of plucky assistant who seems to have uh, been magicked out of the air by the northern gods I, I think we'll uh, find out what happens to Georgie at some point in the future hopefully <laughs> yeah. but I, I, as it stands I haven't got a clue where she's from. Well, when no, she's I, I think we discussed early on. That... I love that you never actually mention anything about George's backstory. I mean, I we, we 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 have got a backstory that's sort of there, but I don't know if we want to say anything in case in case something may may turn up in well in like, the future. Like David hasn't confirmed it with us, but I reckon, and so this is not canon. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> I reckon uh, Georgie and her nan both sort of washed up on Piffling by accident. <laughs> Uh, and because uh, Nan was there, uh, Geordie didn't really want to leave again, sort of wanted to look after her and, and like went looking for a job. And then like the first the first shop she stumbled into was Fun Funerals. And then like she asked for a job, Rudyard said no, and then she just stayed. <laughs> <laughs> I've just realised I really want to see an offshoot series. This, this will mean nothing for anyone who's not heard yeah, it, yeah. but with Georgie and San Marino. <laughs> just, just, just having a lonely holiday. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess to be because the nice thing was that uh, I was one of you guys or someone tweeted me about about coming on the podcast. Or, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I went and listened to it and and loved the podcast. Oh, thank and it's you. been but it's been great. Like knowing I was going to get you guys on the podcast, but it would be at the end of the series as a, like a roundup and being able to like uh, look back on it. It's mm. been great. So I've been telling everyone I know that they should listen to it, and they go, "What's it about?" And then I give them the cell, and they're like. And it's good, is it? I'm like, no, it's really good. You should listen to it. It's really funny. But I guess, like, so to kind of outline what I want to talk about, I think I want to go more about um, what you guys do, because, uh, again, this is part of the podcast, I want to know more. And then also, why a podcast? Why not, you know, why not through some of the bigger, more established channels, I guess? Uh, so if we start with what, what, what are your guys' roles as, because you're producers and directors. Mm -hmm. So David, David writes it. Yeah. Let's just let's go back to the beginning. How there's, did a, start? There's, there's an element of input from us there. I mean, um, I, I don't want to take away any sort of efficacy from David because he 
um, well, it is a genius, genius, masterminded uh, the story arts for the series, like all the kind of character development. Uh, we had a few um, guest writers, uh, just name drop them quickly, yeah. uh, in the form of Tom Crowley, who plays Eric, and then we had uh, Cordelia Lynn, who's a Royal Court writer, and then we had Tiff Woodsmith, who's a wonderful writer, yeah. who's a friend of David's, and, uh, and Chris, Chris Hock, and Chris Hock, um, who um, has written a Korean zombie musical. Is it a Korean zombie, a Korean music? zombie musical? Nice. I believe. He's probably going to. What perfect training for <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and what they all said about David was like, you know, you'd send his scripts in and he sort of uh, like converts it into a wooden overcoat script. Like, mm. Just like within a couple of. T- within a couple <laughs> of tiny uh, like edits and it just suddenly a different thing. But anyway, um, so David saw David Felix and. Uh, Tom kind of came to us with a pitch for the show and uh, and they were like do you want to be involved and like, obviously we were like yes yes, we'll, we'll, we'll make that thing please yeah. <laughs> uh, and so John and I's input early on was mostly just sort of going how about we take it kind of in this direction yeah we, 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 we were shaping what we thought the show would end up being so mm. you know the fact the fact we ended up recording it in studio mm. the fact that um, it had the sound quality that we ended up we we, we said to david oh, let's let, can we do stupid things because we want to make stupid sounds yeah and but but i think keep it uh within a sort of very realistic setting um but yeah so david would come and talk to us and go does this work what do you think of this story arc and essentially we were a sounding board where we we talk about things and 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 help shape the scripts and then and david when, when was this in. this was last year was it this so this was... would be early this year Early this, this year, okay, fair enough. So it's a, started actually, back in January. Started back in January as, as, an, as a very like early idea, and yeah. then there's what a very short page long, not a synopsis, but like a, this is an outline of the whole series yeah. or just the first we, episode. It, it sort of it sort of uh, didn't work how you'd normally pitch it because essentially David lives with Felix, the lead actor. Mm. And the story they tell about it is that... Who plays Roger? Oh, who, who plays, plays Roger? Roger. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, yeah. My favourite character. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah that's a, uh, he'll be chuffed with that. Yeah, he'll yeah. be really happy with that. Well, nearly everyone says uh, Antigone, but anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so the, the story they tell is um, him and Tom met on a bridge one day. <laughs> and said, uh, <laughs> and Mark Rylance turned up with Tom Hanks and yeah, kicked off. Uh, being, yeah, being silent and strong and Tom Hanks being sort of laddie <laughs> in America. Uh, and uh, they... Um, yeah, they met up on a bridge one day and they said, oh, how about we do a short film about two rival undertakers? And then they went, oh, that sounds like a great idea. And, and then, then Spike Milligan and Marty Feldman had already done it. <laughs> that had happened. And, uh, and they sort of ended up just not really doing anything about it. And then they mentioned it to David, uh, who was in his pants at the time, uh, who then sprinted upstairs and half an hour later came down with a, with a pilot script and a synopsis for the series. <laughs> Which is what we ended up with. Which is what we ended up with. Um, so that was sort of the basis for it, and then after that, it was kind of just show shaping and stuff. I mean, back in the beginning of it, um, we were going to be making it with a production company who will remain nameless, um, and so they were trying to push us in all sorts of, uh, well, gently push us in yeah. different ways with it. Um, Can I ask what, then, what, like, the nameless production company? When you say push you in different ways. I guess the career, the nice thing about wooden overcoats is it genuinely feels like it was whatever worked as an idea. It doesn't feel in any way shaped for, I don't know, mainstream. Not that I'm saying it's not. No, no, no. If you catch my drift, but like, how would a production company shape it in a way that wasn't what it's turned out to be? They wanted to do it live. Yeah, they wanted it to be a live show um, with 
which obviously we ended up doing, but the, the shows we did live were very different than the ones that went out on the podcast, um, which I think would have changed the mood of it completely mm. because I don't think you would have bought the world anywhere near as much as you bought the world doing it in studio. Um, and yeah, it, it just, it wouldn't, I don't think it would have stood out. Yeah. It, it would have been the sort of thing that, if you listen to Radio 4, and Radio 4 makes some incredible stuff, yeah, yeah. and they make some incredible stuff with that um, studio audience format, mm. but it just wasn't what we really wanted to do. Um, and I'd, we wouldn't ever have been able to do it, I don't think, as well. Mm. Uh, or it's especially on our own, if we were to do that. Yeah, li live recording comes with all sorts of issues. Um, and I've, like, the way we did it here in the sort of music show, uh, studio environment, it's such, uh, the audio comes out so crisp and yeah. like malleable that you can put it anywhere mm. and you can make it feel almost like you've gone in with a dock mic um, yeah. like to somewhere in Piffling. If you work hard enough, we didn't work hard enough really after the first episode to do that, but, <laughs> but you can. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so to do it in that live context I think would have been a little bit of a betrayal of the mm. um, of the world that David had built through the scripts yeah. so, um, yeah. we've uh, rumbled for ages yeah. has there been a question or we just... yeah no no so I'm asking you about how it started about the very original oh, yeah. idea and how a production company how they would change it and you were saying they would go to live yeah. studio things but what's you have gone to that's another thing I didn't I didn't know you guys did a live performance until only about a month ago and I was like oh I think they've all like, I missed them oh man we should have told you yeah it's a shame uh, they, they were fun but they, they were there they were there for two reasons really because one we suddenly found we had a fan base mm. which was such a thrilling thing to to find out because yeah. ridiculous when we're you know <laughs> we're basically sitting at, in small rooms at a laptop putting four days work here yeah. together over a number of weeks you sort of forget that I think what are, what are we up to now? Twenty five thousand downloads of the podcast. Yeah, it's twenty five thousand. Amazing, yeah. Which, considering there are only eight, yeah, is for we are so thrilled, yeah. um, and so grateful to everyone who has listened. Um, but it meant we could do two things: one, we could bring it back to the people who heard it and actually do some sort of mm. live thing for them, and two, because of the way because we weren't associated with any production company, we didn't have a budget. Um, it enabled us to, through kind um, donations by people who wanted to come to those shows, um, make the money back that we'd spent on getting the show together. And it actually, it, it, it also did a great thing for us as a team because when we did this here, say four days, we recorded eight episodes, yeah. which is how many hours of four hours, over four hours. Yeah, last two or three, so four hours, ten total. Yeah. And that's what you're getting for free. Four hours, ten yeah, awesome yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah, dropping that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so obviously we were working at least twelve hour, no more than twelve hour days on it. Yeah, I was going to um, say when you said four days, that's all it took to record. That that seems like quite a huge amount of recording. We were and in that, here that, at half eight in the morning. Yeah, and we were out about seven. Yeah, that doesn't uh, include us getting up at six in the morning to go over the scripts before we got here, to block them again, to make sure we knew exactly what was going on. And then like coming home and, and sometimes listening to the rushes. Sometimes we just went, no, it's pub time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Which is still work. <laughs> but what it meant is, you know, we had these incredible comedy performers. I mean, I'm still astonished when you look down the list of the people who, who so brilliantly came in and just did their yeah. bit. 
Um, and and you know, sometimes we would get to go, hi, you know, so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for doing this. You know, it's been lovely talking to you over email, but thank you for coming down. Right, you're this person. There's the studio. Uh, script? Yeah, cool. Uh, record. Great, that was fab. Uh, could you do it this way? Fab. Oh, it's been so nice having you here. We've got to do the next scene. And you just miss these people. And Yeah, all the actors taught some loads. Yeah, because, uh, but we... Yeah. But we would, like, work in solid uh, all the way through the day. Like, I'd, our lunch break was probably about 20 minutes. And yeah. we'd just, like, grab a slice of pizza, <laughs> uh, like, like run back down in. a coffee, and then sprint back in again. Um, but what the live shows meant was... What was so fab was they all enjoyed working on the project so much. Mm. Um, and, we, you know, most of these people, they'd signed on to do a day, or, or at most, four days. Some of them were just, like, for an hour. Yeah. And yeah. pretty much everyone... Um, in the cast said they'd come back and give their time again. That's amazing, isn't it? It's, for the live show. It's really touching, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, that, I, I definitely think that comes across in the whole podcast. I think that's why, I guess I'm just going back to me listening to it, it the f- first episode, second episode, I loved it, and it was like, the, I was like, well, I'm just going to, st- I want to keep listening to them because they're such a nice thing to, especially on my tube journey. They're almost the exact length of a tube journey. Yes, that I was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that intentional? That was yeah, kind of yeah. like you could do we do fifteen minutes? Do we do an hour? Like so, um, there's two rationales for it being half an hour. One is um, we wanted to sort of bring a kind of broadcast discipline to podcast, mm. which uh, very much does involve going. This is your tight format. This is like is mm. this long, so you can always expect it to be this long, and so you always like you know. Yeah. There's a familiarity factor there that's important. Uh, and the other one was literally like I reckon most people when they jump on the tube to get one, one place or other, they probably live about half an hour away from where they work. Yeah. Uh, and so you want to kind of catch that audience who are really important to us, mm. who are your commuters and things, who are just looking for something to do. Yeah. And if there's something to do, is like. Entering Piffling for a yeah. God, that's go to this metal Entering, entering what is Piffling. That? Yeah, more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not Lewis Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> but I've had those We're moments where, because I never, I always listen to music, never listen to comedy. So mm. like the first time when I'm on the tube and I'm just sat down with opposite someone and I've just burst out laughing. <laughs> It's the it's the eeriest thing to have someone do that, and you're like trying to not catch people's eyes. <laughs> you look like such an idiot on the tube. But I'll take that hit. Uh, I like to think whenever there's uh, someone looking like they're madly laughing to themselves, uh, that they are in fact, <laughs> listening to wooden overcast. <laughs> I've I've always listened to comedy on the go. I mean, it's it's always been the one thing I I will listen to on my commutes and everything. But I've always I've always had that feeling of no, you mustn't, you mustn't yeah. show that you're you're like laughing manically to yourself. <laughs> and I remember I, I was walking somewhere once and trying to keep that stony face. And the worst thing that could possibly happen, this sort of elderly woman was tottering all the way and just looked at me and went, "Don't worry, dear, it'll never happen." <laughs> I'm, I'm having a great time. <laughs> Don't judge me. I'm yeah. just, it's a comedy. <laughs> but I think as well, the nice thing is that because uh, I've listened to all of them by the eighth episode, you've kind of. You've been with those characters so long that I made my wife listen to one. She's like, I, I don't get what's going on. And I was literally howling with laughter because you get to know all their little... This is why I like Roger so much. He's like, I just think he's brilliant. Mm. And and I didn't... I, I guess the actor would have been a lot older when I saw a picture of Felix. Yeah, I was like, yeah. huh. Again, the brilliant thing about radio. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But uh, you were saying... Um, We'll kind of come back to the, the live stuff in a bit, but one of the things I was interested in, you, you, the way you record it, you did it all in this studio, which is, where's is this? This is on uh, Brixton Road, no. Brixton Hill. Yep. Brixton Hill, yeah. Uh, and it's like a, 
Is it, we are you hiring? Did you hire it just for four days? You have to pay per day to hire this whole space out. Yes. And then... we, we we got a nice deal on it. Yeah. Um, and, and Tom is an incredible engineer. Shout out to Tom who who set up this yeah, setup yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you very much, Tom. This is why it sounds so lovely. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> can you actually hear us? <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, we, uh, we we did it in here mostly because it was uh, cheaper than going elsewhere. But it, it's kind of worked out really nicely for us because it, it has its own sort of unique sonic stamp. I'm going to come out with all these horrible. I mean, that's that's terrible. Dude, we can know that about podcasting all you want. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> unique comics, Sonic, Sonic, Sonic stamp, unique Sonic. The semblance in there, man. You should have just said USS. And then, then be... It has its own USS. Yeah. <laughs> As we talk, have we seen marketing? Uh, and then I'll look blank, and then audio people go, "Very good." Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, so. Oh god! What, what was the question? <laughs> this studio, the studio. Space. Why the studio is it so space. good? Relax. Why is it so good? Yeah. Um, so. We essentially converted the there's like a massive drum room here. Um, there's like a big sort of hexagon. Is it hexagonal? Or it doesn't matter. Octagonal. Uh, octagonal. Octagonal. That's, that's, the a, octagon. that's, a, that's another three walls. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we we converted that into three separate spaces. Um, so we had basically a set for fun funerals, mm. um, which was a lot of kind of wood and glass. Uh, so it, that's why it sounds so kind of uh, refra- uh, reverb. Oh, what's, the, what's the word? Reverby wooden wooden reverbery reverbery we're all audio experts in yeah, here. Yeah. What 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 was so wonderful walking in here because you know this this place is a hidden gem. You get to that front there's mm. a yoga studio yeah yeah, yeah. which was great to walk into this morning I should just add but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you come in you what? do your ablution yeah. you make some radio comedy what have, but you think what have, what have I come to what is this place yeah. and then you go down this long corridor and then there's a door and then there's a kitchen you think oh, this is still where, where, there's a studio here. Yeah. And then you go through this next door and you're suddenly into this maze of really lovely little studio rooms mm. with incredible stuff and incredible equipment, all, all brilliantly curated by Tom and Olsey. Um And I walked in here for the first time and Tom showed me the Octagon Room. And I looked at the floor and it's got a stone floor. And I thought, this is a funeral parlour. And, you know, we, we don't need to fake people stomping about on a stone floor. We yeah. can just remove these beautiful rugs they've got to dampen the sound. And we have our set. And to be able to just put a microphone in a corner of that, and so what was our setup for fun? It was it was a, the three walls, yeah. the table, the 1950s Bakelite telephone that is there. So whenever that happens, that is them answering the phone. Perfect, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and then you put your stereo setup in the middle and then it just captures that sort of ambience like yeah. the fun funeral things has no plugins or anything on it at all um there's a bit of light eqing to make it not sound as because uh, the problem is when you set all that up it can sound a little bit ugly because it's just so it's so woody yeah um but apart from that it's it's pretty much clean i don't i didn't put any reverbs on no i haven't um I'm glad we we're glad we decided that now yeah <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> um but yeah and then then there's just there's there, there's Essentially, it, it, we managed to turn this space into what the BBC sort of uses mm. um, in their big broadcasting spaces. Um, so we used different spaces in there for different sets. We had pretty much two permanent sets, which were a nice small room, um, which had a sort of sofa in it and mm. some carpets and things, which became places like Chapman's and the mayor's office and things like that. Then we had uh, the fun funeral set, which never really changed. 
Uh, and then we had a sort of larger open space, which was used for all big halls and things like that. And the mortuary. And the mortuary. And then if you come down the corridor, the only place we have sight lines from the booth we're recording yeah. this in uh, is a dead room, which is if you go in there and shout, it's, you know, wall to ceiling in um, sound, uh, soundproof foam. Baffles. Uh, that's the one. Um, you wouldn't know a word to the studio, would you? I love baffles. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so we did all our dead stuff in there. So What do you mean when you say dead, dead noise? Uh, dead so, sound so dead sound is, is when there's very, very little reverb. So the person's voice is the person's voice mm-hmm. and there's no room around it, uh, which is quite hard to capture even in a small space like that because yeah. naturally a room sound waves like to come back. But for when we're doing all our big outside scenes and all our funeral scenes, we gather people around a microphone in there and then we can play about with that completely dead sound and make it sound. Uh, so that you can you can tweak it however you want it. Then there's a lot more freedom yeah. afterwards. Uh, okay, fair enough. We'll take a picture of that, or give you a picture of yeah. uh, the room in there. It's tiny, and so like some of those massive outdoor scenes were an absolute nightmare to do in there. Like it was not great fun, yeah. but it just got really really hot. Oh in yeah, the middle of summer. we nearly killed one of our actors. Yeah, we nearly killed. <laughs> bless Steve Hodson. Uh, who's the mayor? Who's the mayor in it? Um, we had. Like him, he's brilliant. He's the mayor, isn't he? <laughs> Do you know, just, every time you mention a character, I'm like, love that character. <laughs> yeah, it's going well. <laughs> oh, God, what's that line he does? Um, the one that. He'll come back to you. He'll come back to me. I, I sort of developed an impression of one of his lines. <laughs> it's so hard to imitate. His vocal cords are going everywhere all the time. Um, so, but yeah, we had, um, we had about sort of nine or ten people in there for that cliff chase scene. So they had like three people as extras. They had all the main characters sort of shouting over each other and like. Um, people wandering in and wandering out and sort of having to kind of creep around mic stands and things just to like make sure they didn't knock the audio. Yeah, we'll, we'll find a picture of this. It really is people really having to sort of punch <laughs> their way around. Um, and it gets even more complicated when uh, you're, you've got, uh, you know, this that room is about half the size of the room we're in now, so mm. it's tiny. Um, oh, it's that small? Oh, oh okay, fair enough. It's that small. Oh, um, yeah. And for the not just the big scenes where there are a lot of people, which are almost in one way okay, it's then the scenes like, say, in episode six, where, um, for those who haven't heard it, a lot of it ends up out at sea, mm. not to ruin anything. But you get people calling from other boats and things yeah. like that. And when, in reality, uh, you know, your main character's sitting in a lifeboat here, and then Eric's only actually probably about here pretending to be on another boat. <laughs> when we get that audio, it's you then have to suddenly go... Oh, he's, he's, he's miles away, you know, yeah. and, and really pull that back and have people being thrown into the ocean. And and that space allows you to do that, but it's also... And, and the trick is making that space believable yeah. in the world you're creating. There were, like, because we did this in four days and sort of basically guessed what we'd need for the edit for a lot of bits, there were quite a few times when it came around to finishing off episodes where, like, you know, and you just sort of slap your whole head against the desk and just go, oh, God. <laughs> What I did there seemed really clever, and now this is going to take about six hours to fix that one sentence. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to go somewhere with that. I just said something really negative. But but what I was <laughs> what I was going to say is is uh, I've been lucky enough to walk around the the drum studios that the BBC have, yeah. both in Broadcasting House and in Salford at uh, Media City, and what they they have are these extraordinary spaces that can sort of be converted to almost anything. Mm. 
so they, they, the one in Broadcasting House, they have uh, a wide open space with lots of doors just in the wall. So if you open a door, you know, for anywhere, it can be a door yeah. for anywhere. Um, they have steps going up to a second level. The steps are divided into two. One might be a metal gangway, one might be a wooden stairs. Um, so you've got like a whole room of different type of atmospheres and noises and shapes and things. and Exactly. Which is to get the, the temperature of the sound. Um, the first part there, my favourite one, is they have a small room that overlooks the main space, uh, which they can open a window and they can play effects into the main space like a cityscape. So if they're recording in this room, say yeah. it's a New York hotel room, um, and you've got your spies chatting in the foreground, and they go, oh, I need some fresh air, and they open the window, the sound will flood in as though you're in New York. and That's really good, isn't it? You're not faking it. And we essentially sat down in here and, with the help of Tom, created a, a miniature version yeah. of that. We don't have anything that funky. So like, any time <laughs> a door opens and something comes in from the outside, that is us, and that's what ages. Uh, <laughs> the number of times our flat appears in, in this, this project. Oh, yeah, yeah. My so, bedroom door is overused. <laughs> so do you, because for, for those recordings, do you have like a, like a professional little like portable mic? You're like, oh, do you know what? That clicky noise that our light switch makes, that'd be perfect, right? And uh, like, big shout out to Zoom. Uh, every, everyone should have great one. mics. Um, so we both have a Zoom stereo recorder, um, and like, yeah, literally, if if I needed a sound effect, I probably wouldn't look further than twenty meters from my house because I'm a lazy radio. <laughs> uh, and so, like, all of those sort of bin sound effects and things are the bins outside the back, and like um, that part where uh, a fox gets strung up from a tree that was real uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the news, <laughs> in the news. Uh, and the bit where the cat gets uh, yeah um, yeah oh, it's gone off on the- do you know what again I know it's fine to go off on one that's <laughs> yeah. the brilliant thing about this podcast is the best parts of the bits where we go off on one so don't, don't worry about that at all because the, the I came in with a load of questions and then being in this room, I should describe that normally my setup is a laptop with a tiny little mic, two microphones, and just any room I can get available. You've now upgraded me to a full functioning recording studio with wonderful Tom who set up three mics. And I have this super professional audio thing. And like every question that I had seems very small now. And I want to ask you a million more. So sure. apologies if I go off on a random tangent. <laughs> but that's because you keep mentioning stuff that I don't know and I don't understand. So part of the appeal and the reason that people listen to it is like uh, almost other jobs that people just weren't aware of and when I asked you kind of when you say producers mm. when I always think of movies are oh, a movie producer and I didn't really know what that is and that's more about money mm. whereas you you're producer directors and it sounds when I first read it I wasn't aware of what you did but now we've spoken before and now I guess you guys run the show completely and like David writes it and there's other writers but it, you're the kind of captains of the ship essentially yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's sort of how radio has always worked I suppose because it's the thing that's always attracted me about radio uh, is if you're going into film, you're going to need your uh, director, you're going to need your producer. You possibly could combine them, but it'd be a lot of work. But you're going to need your DOP, you're going to need your cameraman, you're going to mm. need your sound recordist. With radio, it's you and an engineer. Your writer gives you the script, and it's your vision. Yeah, not not yeah. to say that obviously you, you pull more people in on that because more people's ideas are better mm. than, than one person's head, but um, you do get that amazing directness, and you just don't need. The more people mm. so often in the history of radio you will hear in radio drama it was produced by mm. such and such and that means they directed it they organized it they brought it all together mm. it's a bit of an auteur's craft uh radio uh, in general that's one of the one of those <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
in front of you and you suddenly become yeah yeah just start saying things I love watching your eyes roll you're like I've done it again <laughs> don't even know what I said what does it even mean I mean auteurs need that USS Andy yeah 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 every auteur is a USS um, but yeah there's a long tradition of that especially in like um, like American radio drama and stuff where you've got all these like um, like mad eccentrics. Um, who, who let Orson Welles loose with the microphone? Yeah, who let Orson Welles? It's a nutter. Like, brilliant, but nutter. Uh, uh, and so you get these guys who, um, what's his name? Is it Corwin? The guy who did the folk cantatas and stuff. Where oh, um, ah. Tim Crook is going to slap us both in the face when we get No, I, 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 I was thinking <laughs> about them this morning. It come back to it. I, know, I think I we're both getting distracted by the fact that it sounds like Corbin, but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's nothing to do no, with it. Uh, it'll come back. Uh, so there's this um, this guy who, I'm gonna, for the sake of argument, is called Corbin. Again, okay, yeah. Uh, and he, uh, just watching John in the corner <laughs> yeah. of my eye, it's like <laughs> distressed about no. this. I'm so sure it is. Uh, and so he would write these like epic kind of musical ballads, um, and he'd have to do them live on NPR, and so they, oh, no. NBC even. Um, no, the really no, famous. No, they were Paramount, weren't they? No. Well, the really famous radio... What? Which, who are you talking about? I'm talking about American bloke. Are you talking about American bloke? Oh, I'm simply yeah. wrong then. Corwin. I think, I think you're good, Corwin. <laughs> I've yeah. never heard of the guy. Uh, Carry on. <laughs> and it was either for Paramount or it could be many other... Pro- um, <laughs> and so he'd get he'd end up with like a whole sort of uh, live band and he'd written the scripts and the score and everything. And like, uh, unlike us who have the luxury of, you know, a six-month development process yeah. and then like a five, five months like in the edit uh, afterwards, like, he'd have to go... Right, uh, hope this is mixed well. Uh, so let's all just do my script right now, please. And if we don't do it to half an hour, they're going to cut to the news. Uh, go. <laughs> my my favourite um, my favourite producer of all time um, was a guy called Charles Chilton, uh, who produced the last radio drama in this country to get more listeners than TV had viewers, called Journey into Space back in the 50s. Wow. Great name. It's, well. it's very cool. Amazing voice as well. Oh, yeah. Um, he's got a Cockney voice. First Cockney on the BBC in the 1930s. Uh, but I, I was lucky enough to meet him when he was in his 90s, sadly now, passed away. Um, but he used to do this amazing sci-fi serial going out live um, with a full orchestra doing all the sort of huge stings and sound effects oh and everything. God, live? All going out live. And the best thing about it was if that's not enough to contend with, you, you're talking about 50s BBC where everyone's just still pissing about and having a bit of fun. And there are stories about the cast. Mostly smashed. <laughs> Probably mostly smashed. <laughs> uh, but the, these, these, these are wonderful actors. So you oh, who do you have? Uh, oh, and the actors completely going to escape me now. But you had these incredible voices doing these things. Yeah. Very serious sounding actors. Um, and I, there's one story of one day them going down to the BBC canteen and getting some uh, mustard and rubbing the mustard on the tip of the microphone. So when the the character called Doc, who's doing this uh, very Orson Welles type, uh, we set out six months ago and with 20 men. Now we have five. Uh, he's doing these very serious lines and just all the time going... <laughs> and trying not to laugh. And there's another story where they just, at one point... That's such a Beano prank. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, uh, the, the next one was better. One of them just, just during another... Like, the, the, the ship's captain was very austere, called Jet Morgan. Obviously, uh, and uh, at one stage during one of his big serious moments, where they just landed on the moon or something, they uh, he pulled his trousers back and just poured ice down his trousers. <laughs> that's 
That's so cruel. <laughs> so cruel. And this is going out live. There's no retake. This is just... That's terrifying, isn't it? And I guess they didn't record them, or they did record them. They went back and... Uh, you can still hear them because uh, you went, they went back and recorded the first series for the American audience. So they all still exist, and go out and listen. Do they, they not do ROTs by then? What's an ROT? A uh, recording of transmission. There you go. Uh, they didn't for the first series. Uh, your, your USS is defined by <laughs> <laughs> so, cause, so you did the live shows... You didn't like start the series and then do them. You did the whole series. You had it all in the bag, or the, all the podcasts, sorry. And then you went back and you pieced parts out. Or the, is each episode one live performance and then you did it? Like, how did the live episodes work? Um, the, we we aren't gonna probably put out the live ones. I mean, the live ones sort of worked as we got um, whatever actors we could get back for it, which mm. was mostly all of them, mm. um, and of course our main cast. Um, and then we basically. Um, went into the project files and got all of our sound effects out of it and um, played them in live when we just read the script out live. It, it, was, it was actually quite nice because it was stressful, but we we were making them as we went along. Like we had this, and I, I, I we have this grand plan that we'd have it all finished. Um, but the, well, the, life the, happened. The, well, the problem is, yeah, we both have full time jobs and <laughs> making a radio series is quite time consuming. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and after a while, we just got a little bit behind. So it meant we were finishing the episodes uh, on the Saturday. Say, well, no, no, we we got them in for the Thursday um, broadcast, and then we had sort of four days. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, they were every two weeks, but we had sort of four days. Then we would turn over that episode into all the live sound effects and all the live cue-ins and adapt it for. Because David did an amazing job of, as I said originally, the scripts wouldn't work as you hear them in the podcast perfectly mm. for a live audience. So David worked in new gags, worked in uh, slightly new um, long-running jokes, um, and so and new sound effect gags. So we had to create a little bit extra. Um, but then we just transferred this all across. And it, it actually, because we did it like that, it was in many ways such a relief having, we finished this episode, we hope it's good. And then having an audience laugh at it. And then an audience laughed at it. Yeah. And you go, oh. That was really lovely. Fab, yeah. Because uh, I guess that's one of the things you miss a bit, isn't it? That that kind of real-time feedback of a good joke. You're like, oh, I'll put it out there. I hope people are laughing at it on the podcast. <laughs> it, it does make you sort of trust your comic instincts a lot yeah. uh, after doing it uh, for a while. Because, like, um, I mean, initially, you're so sort of nervous about, like, oh, this is going to change how this joke delivery works yeah. if I move this clip like this and then put this sound effect in. But it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I'm having a great time in my bedroom <laughs> listening to it. I'm sure it's going to work. Yeah. And then you'd sort of you'd be testing your gags um, week for week. And so I think my edits do get better as the series go along because mm. I'll get more confident with how yeah. the world interacts with people and things and make that work with the dialogue that's in there. Because you, you, know, you get to the live show, you see how a gag works in episode one, and then you go, right, I've got something similar in episode five, so I'm going to do... Oh, so, like you, so, so you did all the recording in four days, but then, and when did you finish recording? That was and then we faffed about yeah. for like two months. And then... well, to, be, to, be, to be fair, <laughs> no, to be fair. So, so what, what did you faff about for two months? <laughs> well, 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 there's a, there's a what, what sort of happened? I had a really was, good summer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we we put so much effort into getting it recorded. Yeah. We were oh, we yeah, were yeah. meeting virtually every day with the production team and making sure we had. And I hate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lie. Um, we've actually come out of this incredibly good friends, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is so good because we 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 want to go and make more things. But the um, uh, it was such a big process leading up to it. And seeing as it was basically January 1st, we sat down and went, we want to make this. From then on, most of our lives were spent emailing people, pulling the thing mm. together, um, making sure the scripts were good. 
and then there was this manic four days where we we put our all. I don't think I've ever worked harder in my life on anything. Um, and then we sort of went, oh, right, yeah. let's let, let's take a step back for a bit. Um, and then we had to put together uh, episode one because we'd promised we'd premiere it at a radio festival in Copenhagen. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying it. Uh, so that was in August. So we had episode one out the door mid-August. Yeah, yeah. A really, really good cut for episode one. Really? Well, we, Which we, don't we change anyway? Yeah, we that, that, that was the thing. <laughs> so we, we went out to Copenhagen. So I was out in Copenhagen for a week. I then, because I needed a break from the whole thing, I went off uh, to the Edinburgh Festival for a week and had a wonderful week. I had a nap. You had a nap. <laughs> I, I went and well researched ever. more comedy. Um, but, I, uh, but then we came back and with all our notes, because we'd had, uh, essentially what we did at Copenhagen was in this wonderful theatre called the Hussis Theatre in, sort of, in the most hipster part of Copenhagen. The meatpacking district. Very, very weird. I mean, we're not cool enough to go and walk around there. It was very strange. Speak for yourself. <laughs> and uh, and we, we were around there. And then we... We played it to an audience just as as the draft, so not yeah. a live performance, just just listening to it. Uh, and it was it was lovely because it, it was totally packed out, almost entirely with Danes or other radio professionals from across Europe, mm. Germans, Icelandics. Um, yes, lots of scanty countries were there, and um, English people. And Me. one to get one to get a <laughs> one to get a laugh from people whose first language it was, uh, who wasn't English, yeah. was fantastic because we felt we'd we'd hit on something. That, that wasn't just oh look at we aren't we twee and doing this in our own country it yeah. had a it had an international appeal which was I, wonderful I had a terrible fear about it that we'd made something incredibly kitsch and it, and it is <laughs> but in a good way I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, but it was nice it was yeah it was vindicating but I'm going to make a terrible comparison here oh, but it's, it oh, is here we go. No, 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 it, it's worth it because it, it's, it's a process that we just talked about and it's a process that's been long defined in, in, in comic history people like Stan Laurel when they made their films, would then go and show them to a testing audience. Oh, right. Uh, and he'd sit at the back unbeknownst to the testing audience yeah. and, and sort of make a little note going, oh, God, they, they laughed so long there that they, they, didn't, they weren't ready for the next joke. Yeah. And when we listened to it in Copenhagen, we both came out of there, you know, having been pretty damn happy with what we sent mm. off, mm. going, oh, no, we, we understand now. Yeah, yeah. What, the little oh, do you mean the pa- the pacing of the jokes? I don't because yeah. yeah. I listen to and the nice thing about your podcast is if you listen right to the end on some of them there's like on episode five there's like a little bit at the end where there's clips of the live thing yeah, and yeah, you suddenly realise with like a with a big audience the laugh goes on and you can hear the guys kind of almost pacing themselves they they give it an extra couple of seconds before they do the next line because yeah, the, yeah. the kind of the laughter is yeah. so loud and you you realise when you're listening I've not thought when you're listening to it even there's not laughter interrupting the noise you're still trying to give it pace yeah enough yeah. space to appreciate yeah what's going on well it is a, such a different listening experience doing a live show to a podcast because like obviously mo- I, I don't know anyone that lives listens to podcasts with other people unless they're like in their car or yeah. something yeah, yeah exactly and so you like normally if you're listening to a comedy on your own you won't really laugh that much yeah. and so the pacing has to be totally different yeah um but at the same time you don't want someone kind of like cackling on their own and then missing your plot. Yeah, uh, and that's possible. Like, it, and you start it happens and... also you start to appreciate where the the really good gags are or where the really important character moments yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So you give them more space and mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Carry on. I'll stop interrupting. I didn't mean it. Uh, but but again, because we had because we had four days in here, we we were incredibly lucky with our time because we did do a read through before we went in, which some radio dramas don't get the luxury of. 
Um, none I've ever worked on, but I know professionally some don't. Um, and so we 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 would have a sense of it. We'd know exactly what we want. Yeah. But as with everything, after you know three seeing it three times, you go, no, I, no, I really get yeah. that now. That's that's something why I play as deep previews. So having that space to do that was was really nice. How like this is a really long excuse for why we did it on the week. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely because I, I was um what was I listening to I was listening to Book of Mormon that I well I watched Book of Mormon and but I I suddenly imagined the read throughs they must have had mm. reading through some of those jokes to an audience the, to people who'd not heard it and they're reading the script going you you can't say that or yeah, that that yeah. jokes no were there jokes that people are like do you think no or that's, I can. I can instantly point to two. Yeah. Uh, most of which play on my favourite thing in the radio medium, which is silence. Um, and there was one one gag, I think it's in our first episode. Yeah, it is in the first episode. When Eric says to the mayor, because the mayor comes into uh, Eric's funeral home, for those who don't know, convinced by Rudyard to shut it down quick. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, can't can't have two funeral homes. Yeah. And uh, Eric very suavely plays on the mayor's one weakness and says, well, one weakness, many weaknesses, but his main one, and turns around and says... Uh, you know what could have two funeral homes? A town. <laughs> and then there's just silence. A town, you say? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, we worked on this, and we both put in this much, you know, much longer gap than either of the actors have put in, mm. because we thought it was hilarious. As he's mulling over this idea of a town in a mile long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and... We then sent it off to, because we, wonderfully, the production team also were proof listeners for us to spot some things that may have gone wrong or gone right. And pretty much all of them came back going, just this really dull pause in the middle of it, what are you doing? <laughs> we thought, no, no, I, we're going to stick to our guns on this, we really like it. And then when we took it to Copenhagen, yeah. the audience were just, it was the first moment in the whole show where the whole audience just lost it. Yeah, yeah. And lost it for a long time. And I had people coming up to me after the show going, my favourite bit was that moment. Really? That's amazing, isn't I, it? I had random Danish people come up to me afterwards just going, a town you say. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think it's, it's, also, it's also a gag that illustrates the most important thing about the radio medium, which is hinting at something and letting the audience's imagination, once, you, once you've said, given enough of a hint, letting the audience's imagination run wild. Mm. And when you've got a voice as dynamics so of characterful as Steve playing the mayor you, the audience is left to wonder what that face is doing and so yeah. <laughs> the audience just just is seeing this face sort of contort and think and drop I mean I don't know it's their ma imagination they've put their own thing on it and I mean oh. knowing how Steve's face moves <laughs> <laughs> um because I, 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 you're just making me think of all the bits I like because it was I just, I've never spoken to someone before who's like, essentially, you're like a film director, but you're not filming it, but it, mm. the radio is such a brilliant medium. It's kind of like budgetless in the way that, I was listening to a radio interview, I can't remember on which Guernsey or Jersey channel with David, and he was going, uh, someone asked me, could, would the island have a marina? Well, it does now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is, is the island big enough to sustain a marina? It is now. You Why know? not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a, it's such a brilliant thing to be able to do. Um, just imagine things popping out of his imagination. Just yeah, does the island have this? Sure, why not? <laughs> just so my my first big radio drama that I made. No, no, it's not quite. But the, the first one I really went overboard and started doing huge amounts of stuff. Oh, which, we both have ridiculous ones for this. We, we do, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so going going back to um, 
the, the Zoom is very British. We spoke about earlier. These yeah. lovely portable microphones. They are brilliant. You can, if you'd like, record a whole radio drama at one. And when I had no money and I had no experience, I was just learning. Um, for some reason, I thought the easiest project to make would be uh, a four-hour drama set in the English Civil War in an alternative history uh, with a cast of 30 and a live orchestra. Not so, so much not, running not, before you can walk, but yeah, trying no. to fly a plane before you've even looked at a tricycle. <laughs> Which is my advice to anyone. Do that, because it teaches you everything you need to know by baptism of absolute fire. Um, you didn't do it, though, did you? Oh, I did no, it. Did it. Did yeah. it. You can listen to it for free on the internet. Oh, you can't. It's it's oh, uh, no. It's in lo- lockdown now, isn't no, it? No, no, because um, it's it's a book that I got the rights to adapt from oh, yeah, House, the, and the, so The court case after the actor set you on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially it, it went out once and that was its lifespan but it, it, it went on to win a couple of things which was really lovely um, but the, the thing I was going to say about um, about that was we went and stood in a field with a portable microphone and had battles with Oliver Cromwell charging up a hill uh, as, <laughs> as a, a slightly alien race stand at the top machine gunning down as airships swoop overhead as mines go off as the new model army march across I think I, I have about 30 people on this project in total in that scene there's 10 people and 10 musicians yet I, I stand by that scene and that piece of mixing it's pretty good it's <laughs> you, you, but you still you know no matter what the flaws in it I could have made it as a teenager yeah, yeah mental considering the flaws <laughs> in it uh, you can still imagine hmm this is going on, and that is so incredibly liberating yeah. because to to commit that to film, you would be looking at the biggest of Hollywood budgets, yeah, yeah. Um, or, or going back to some sort of you know Waterloo era um, film budget where you got thousands of extras yeah. and recruit the Soviet army. But we did it standing in a field with a microphone. Nice, yeah. It's the thing about radio that's really lovely. Is like rather than you know spending loads of money on it, you you're just forced to be inventive, mm. like because the, there's no way like if you went and recorded a battle scene, like if you actually just like got on a plane, flew to uh, <laughs> Afghanistan, uh, and then like dropped yourself somewhere really horrible with a portable, uh, I would question your morals yeah. and your sense of uh... sure. But it'd sound weird. It wouldn't sound right. Mm. Um, like just be you crying. <laughs> this is all a mistake. Yeah. The sobbing would get in the way of the, <laughs> of the violence. Uh, but like it, it wouldn't quite be right for what you were trying to get across. Yeah. Like you, mm. the. Uh, those big kind of cacophonous scenes have so much like liberation and planning into where everything has to go to make the mix work and to make it work with the dialogue and all that kind of stuff. You're you're forced into um, just trying to come up with a clever way of doing it yeah. rather than um, just you know throwing money at the problem like we had in my in my first project. It's my turn for another. Uh, um, it was me and my friend who I live with uh, called Sam uh, doing a project called the Nihilist gardening hour which was about two guys going through space in an interstellar camper van uh, which again like immediately <laughs> so expensive to do on, on film why do we choose these projects uh, but I love it it's just limitless imagination so do you know what we're going to through space camper van go yeah and so like in the first episode uh, we decided that um, they were going to literally fight bureaucracy uh, and so they land on this planet which is like a planet of bureaucrats and they get trapped by them and they meet the system and like, so if you were doing that on Doctor Who, I imagine it would be a many-faced, <laughs> slimy mass of like horrible writhing goo that would be trying to absorb them at all times. That's sort of how we pitch yeah. it. And so trying to get that across in audio is 
daunting. Yeah. And so what we ended up with was layering each of us doing the most grotesque high voice and grotesque low voice that we could do and trying to kind of pace match it to itself. Yeah. So like I'd do a voice this is gonna sound horrible. Where, just, where I'd be like, I am the system <laughs> and then underneath it going, I am the system. <laughs> and then you layer it all over over the top of each other and then you have this horrible it's still It sounds awesome. One it of still the most sounds disgusting great. Disgusting pieces of audio I've made. <laughs> uh and like that is just a case of going like literally sat in the flat going like Sam why have you written this thing like, uh, how are we going to do this uh, we ended up like getting through a whole bottle of squash uh, soothing our vocal cords trying to do that one little bit of that scene that is still available on the internet amazingly what's it called, what's it called? Uh, the Nihilist Gardening Hour the Nihilist Gardening Hour to be honest, I haven't listened to it in a long time I'm not sure <laughs> I should go back and it. I love the idea uh, of like people who live up and or below you in your flats going the hell are they doing what up there? What earth is like, going this, on? The system, the system. <laughs> oh, I, I, I did get complaints once. I was doing a, um, the, the, I was asked to do the sound design for the Accrington Pals, which is a, a pretty, pretty good play set in the First World War, uh, and most of the sounds in the first half were just sort of nineteenth century city, uh, early twentieth century cityscapes and, and factory noises and things like that, which were really fun to do. And then we got to the som, and so I'm just sitting in my room with all these som sound effects going off, <laughs> and and all these actors going, "Yeah, come on, lads, over your top, go on, yeah, whistles blowing." <laughs> and someone just came around and went, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> we thought you were watching a war film, but it's been four days now." <laughs> just all hours of the night. But I th- again, get back to the imagination thing. I was talking to my parents, and I said they were like, "Have you seen the new Hobbit films?" And I said, I think I've seen the original Hobbit film. There, there isn't one. But I realised as a kid, the story tape I listened to in my head, I want to listen to. Oh, it. I was like five so or six. Lovely. It was, it was real because I used to listen to it going to bed or whatever. And I, mm-hmm. and I suddenly realised that like I listened to Roald Dahl story tapes in the car when you're a kid and stuff. And like mm. all of that is like, I, that's why I kind of I love this one so much is because it's the first time I've really sat down and listened to. I guess radio storytelling, but in a podcast mm. format, and it just made me think. Man, there must be hundreds of these that I could listen to now. I just, uh, for some reason, in my head, things like that were like Radio Four things my parents listened to. Mm. Now I'm like, oh, you guys are doing it. There must it's cool stuff on, and I, it's just a mindset thing. And I found the same when I started doing the podcast. Once I listened to one, two, five, ten. Now I just don't listen to radio. There's like, what do I want to listen to today? Like, you just there's thousands of podcasts, and they're mm. really good, like really good. Because as you said. Well, for me anyway, the intro to doing a podcast is the budget's so low, you know, mm. for like three or four hundred quid, I've got everything I need. You get a pretty decent sounding quality podcast and you can publish it around the world for free. Which is astonishing. <laughs> it's mental, yeah. yeah like, which I guess goes back to why you didn't go through the BBC. I just realised like, I'm crashing up to the hour mark and I haven't asked you anything about like Series 2 or the BBC or anything. We so. can cut a lot of what we've said. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're not cutting any of it. It's, oh, okay, cool. No, no, it's all staying. No, oh, the, nice. The best ones, I did an hour and a half one uh, with someone and it's one of the best ones. It was brilliant. Oh, fair enough. Random chat. That's what people like listening to. <laughs> I, I try and do it. So the first 20 minutes, I was chatting about that half an hour and then the rest is just yeah no I want to find out more about I don't know what it's like to be a producer and a director of a podcast or radio and stuff so no it's all good it all stays in (laughs) I interviewed someone yesterday and he was like you're going to cut that out I was like no he's like please cut that out I sound so stupid I was like no I love love that whenever people do that that's the tick that's definitely staying (laughs) yeah and it was getting him more because he's like he's really like he's so on it and controlled and then he was like no please cut that out and then it became funnier like a running gag but no so why Let's go back to Overcoats because yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. I should, really should bring it back <laughs> on point. Why didn't you go through 
why why a podcast there, there must be loads of different formats you could have done is it the freedom of just literally having no one above you going has to be like this that's true the other thing we didn't mention earlier that i i really wanted to mention was the fact we did eight mm. and a bbc series is six or four most or, of the time. or four now quite a lot yeah, yeah. of fours why 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 do they do that um so they don't have to commit as much to sitcoms they might not want to put out all the episodes of, essentially. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not so much for risk. lots really, of bits of logic to yeah. it, but um, like it's also sort of less, it means they can get bigger names in because um, it's a smaller commitment for them. And uh, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like all sorts of like bits of BBC logic, but like... So you, know. you, you definitely wanted to do eight half an hour ones. You said half an hour because the mm. format was the nice for a podcast especially. Yeah. So it was rather eight than four hour long ones. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I, think, I think what that eight gave us though is because we got to... I mean, my, my favourite episode of the series has been from, from minute one, um, episode six. Because that's the moment... Just in terms of David's script. Um, because that's the moment where our characters have reached the point in sitcom where you'd normally go, Oh, God, this is going to go on forever. Yeah, we're going to have to beat Chapman someday. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. Our characters look at each other uh, as they try and bury a seagull. Yeah. And say, no... He's better than us. Yeah, it's it's not a case that this competition can go on with this setup forever. We're actually being really quite harmed by this whole yeah. situation. And you you, it's the turning point. While you like the characters before, I think that's the moment where you actually go, no, I I really care about these people, mm. and it gives us a chance to turn the world on its head and to let 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 it go somewhere unexpected, yeah. as opposed to having to then go. And there might be a series too. Yeah, here's the setup every week: Chapman and Roger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to give away for people uh, haven't listened to seven and eight, but the whole situation changes for them. And the joy of having all those different writers as well meant that episode seven has a very different style to mm. a, uh, an episode that David wrote, uh, which Cordelia wrote. Seven was so much fun to make, um, and but, yeah, yeah. It, it it just gives us that variety, and you. You know, you, you, you have got that freedom, if not that we, we have the professional clout yet to, to go on the BBC, but you do have that freedom with a lot of respected producers, but you wouldn't have been given the time scale on which yeah. to work that out. I mean, like, the the whole sort of BBC thing, like whether to go to them or not, they are basically your only option if you're doing mm. radio comedy. Yeah. And so, like, doing it in podcast was sort of funny because, like, we are alarmingly young to be doing this, really, um, in terms of the industry. Like, don't you think so? Well, is that, is that is that how you feel? Is that like that you are? Well, this is this is us. We're going out on a limb here. We're we're young. We're unproven. But you seem to have done tons of stuff before. Yeah, but... yeah students. I we <laughs> like, we we're just like weirdos who did it way too early. Like most people don't really get into this kind of stuff at all. Like um, well, the podcast is probably changing that. Podcast is yeah. I think podcast is really changing that. Yeah. But um, most comedy producers that you come across are people who uh, might have done stand up or just have a yeah. real interest in scripts and that kind of thing. And so they're very firmly editorial. Yeah. Um, you, your industry people, when they go into an edit, tend to sit there in the golden throne, as they call it, uh, while um, an engineer is doing all of that work for them yeah. when they sit there and sort of go, oh, yeah, could even design and do it that way, as opposed to what we do, where we're sort of hands-on with everything and like yeah. our fingers are in every audio pie. Does that work? <laughs> uh, uh, USS Andy, USS, USS, USS Goddard. Um, uh, oh God, but I, I, I do think um, though that the nice thing about that is that 
I've not the, the series I genuinely cared for the characters by the end and maybe the advantage of having no one above you to tell you how to do things has given you the opportunity to maybe I don't know maybe there are points in the series where you're like I don't really know where we're going with that but the rest of it's great or but you you felt didn't feel like you were exploring things but it did feel like a really good just single long story and it's the first one I've really like oh, I can't wait to listen to the next one good but, I'm glad oh, yeah. thanks <laughs> yeah. that does mean a lot yeah, yeah. a lot of that a lot of that uh, comes from like yeah, the clout of of David, he's, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, m- most of our job really was to sort of um, make it work and um, tie it all together. Um, but, right, I was going to name drop someone. <laughs> um, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, when when we took this, when I, I took this script um, to people initially, um, I ended up talking to a friend of mine called Clyde Broughton, who works in uh, the production company, which will remain nameless and is now Googleable because I've mentioned. It. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. No animosity there. It was fine. No, it they gave just, us a huge just, amount of help. Yeah, so. they, yeah. They, they still. Yeah, they're still kind of helping a little bit in a lot of ways. Um, and oh god, where was I going with this? You were name dropping Claire. I was yeah, you were name dropping. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so when we brought those scripts to her initially, she sort of read it and went, "This this belongs on on Radio Four." And yeah. I was like, well, but that this year was crazy for it. Uh, so um, there wasn't a spring commissioning round for comedy. And they got a new commissioner in for the uh, autumn commissioning round, which mm. meant that um, all the independent production companies had maybe two slots. No, so I was coming in at young upstarts going like, we really want to make this one overcoat script. We'd have had to wait until October to pitch it. Um, and the likelihood is the company wouldn't have pitched for us because they've yep. got all their own projects. They've mm. got, like, you know, um, this year they made a Susan Kalman project, a um, Rob um, Rob Newman project, really good. Um, and like loads of other stuff with like, these huge names, yeah. which uh, is basically what the BBC care about. And we, and we um, thought we'd got a great team together, great team we'd liked, great team we'd been with it since its inception. Yeah. And we didn't want to lose them, and we felt there was a danger that if we did go down that road, yeah. you know, understandably to sell it, yeah. a broadcaster would go, yeah, we love it, but what if Rudyard was Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah. You know, well, well, more like Eric was Benedict Cumberbatch, but you know... Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and yeah. That'd be really good casting. I think we should have fired Tom. I tried. <laughs> um, just kept on coming back. I mean, Benedict was ringing me up every day. Yeah, yeah. Iron Martin Freeman calling me, <laughs> going, give Benny the part. I mean, he's crying on my shoulder. He, but I mean, he had to take Hamlet in the end. Which... Yeah, 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 yeah. Suck a move on his part. Yeah, yeah. But that's the. Fool. But don't you think, like, that's the great thing about podcasts is that you're suddenly like, okay, well, with all those other avenues have closed to us, mm. can we do it on our own? We can do it on our own. Yeah. Let's just do it on our own. Can we do it on our own? No, shit, we're going to do it on our own. Like, but you've done it, and it's like, that must be such a great feeling. And then to see the uh, instant feedback, the downloads and stuff, you know, oh like, oh, how many people are downloading? Like, the analytics are so addictive. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. It's like Facebook likes. You're like, no, I'm not I'm not self-obsessed, but a thousand more people have downloaded. <laughs> yeah, uh, Felix is uh, really into the analytics. Uh, this is, uh, the guy who plays Rudyard. Um, Love that guy. And so we, we have a sort of group messenger <laughs> thing, and every now and then he'll pop in and just go... Oh, Malta's joined the party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, guys, it turns out our ideal listener is in Canada, owns a Ford Mondeo, and listens to Eminem. And works an admin. And works an admin. And probably has a kid. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Felix. We'll, we'll target our advertising at them in the future. That's so amazing, isn't it? Whoever you are who fits that exact description, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for telling clearly all of your friends. <laughs> but that is, the, I, I just think that having a worldwide distribution mm. network for free 
Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's and, and, and like, how, how hard would you have had to work 10 years ago to get a guy in Canadian, a guy in Malta to listen yeah. to your podcast? You'd have been like, ah, radio yeah. thing. It would have been impossible. That's the advantage the BBC has is that like worldwide network. But mm. now... It's great. It's but there's two, there's two there's two sides to it, isn't there? Mm. There's there's if you're on Radio Four, you have an instant listenership money. because people have it on. You obviously have the money, <laughs> money. But, money. but in terms of, in terms of just standing staying with the listenership for a second, I'm not getting into that sordid stuff. Uh, you you know they you someone will hear it on the radio and pay you money by and by hearing it on the radio, you have listeners. Yeah. Whereas we are just casting it out. Yeah. With thousands and thousands, yeah. probably hundreds of. Them. Of other podcasts across the world, and I wonder what the figure for that actually is. I have no idea. I, I wonder if anyone is counting. iTunes must have some sort of record. But the um, uh, get, get your research on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, they, but but you know, but then the plus side of that is, once someone has then searched you out and found you, or yeah. clicked on a link for your podcast, they then have some sort of loyalty that they don't have because they happen to hear it. Yeah. As they were doing the washing up, and that's great. Um. So it, it has its pluses and minuses, but I cannot believe that we have reviews from America, Canada, France, Spain. You know, in just thinking this is extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. It's about as close as you're going to get, unless you do it actually live to a live performance. It, in, in, it's not laughs, but you get comments and it's nice yeah. and, like, mm. and tweets and stuff. Like, that's, that's amazing, that's so isn't lovely. it? Yeah. I mean, that it, must be such a nice thing to receive. Like, a, It started really, you know, I. John basically doesn't use Twitter, so I have to tell him about all the nice things that uh, come through. On I that. have Twitter if you want to follow me. He, he, has, he has Twitter, <laughs> but he won't say anything. Uh, his, his Twitter picture is amazing, actually. Is it, is it still the panda? It's still it's still a lovely old yeah, BBC archive old, photo. Old BBC archive photo of a panda with a microphone. It's amazing. Um, but again, they do not used for anything. So, uh, but uh, re- it's been the last few weeks really that like. I think people must be sort of coming to the end of it. Uh, yeah. I, I obviously we didn't really expect anyone to listen to it week for week because you know they're, they're a fairly big commitment um, mm. to, to sit down and listen to it because they are sit down and listen properly to yeah, it as yeah. opposed to kitchen sink podcasts. Where yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, really yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of people are now coming to the end of the series, and so I'll get a thing with you know I've had about twenty vibrations in my pocket now. Probably a few of those are people going. I really like wooden overcoats. I'm going to recommend it to these people, and that's just such a nice feeling. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Uh, like, and yeah, something I haven't really come across before with any other project that I work on. And the other um, thing that was really nice, I like, I, I saw a friend uh, last week, and we were chatting. And she hadn't listened to any of them, and not have any, you know, things just just hadn't got around to it. And she said, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to listen, start listening to them this week." Meaning, over the next few weeks, I might get around to it. Yeah. Four days later, got a lovely tweet. It's like, oh, I finished them all. They're so yeah. amazing. Well done. Like, well, that's great because it means, you know, you have been caught by yeah. it. You have caught the bug. And I'm it, getting that feedback is is so lovely. Um, seeing there's sort of a community developing online. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is which is really lovely. Like fan fiction is appearing, and which is just, just charming to see. And it's really good. <laughs> to see we've got talented they've, fans they've captured the essence yeah. but to see what was, the, what was the name of the character September Edgewood yeah September Edgewood so, so someone had written a character oh. called September Edgewood and I thought I really wish I could believe them. I could believe that was yeah. a character that was in the show I really wish they'd call them Edgware and it was Dr. Edgware's brother <laughs> I, I, I oh. really, really I love, love this idea, idea that you've got this imaginary island you've now got imaginary extra people living on this imaginary just island yeah. 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 and they started naming the roads like we didn't name the roads um, that was one of my, fa- my favourite jokes is where uh, when does Antigone try and leave right I'm going to get on a bus and leave and they're like, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a bus <laughs> the island's only a mile long we don't have a bus <laughs> what, did, what did you think 
But I love, I love that that's a bit of logic out of no logic anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. She's never yeah. seen a bus or used a bus, but she's adamant there must be a bus on the island. You'll, you'll notice there's only one car in the whole series. There's a car and a moped. and there's a, uh, When did the car appear? The car uh, belongs to uh, Seymour Profit. Of course he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has the Lamborghini for some reason. How has it got there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, was, that was a really bad... No, it was a really good decision. I like the atmosphere. But very quickly we realised... We said, we said, oh no, my god, we couldn't right. use anything. Yeah, there were, we I said, well, there are no cars on Piffling because it's a tiny island. We thought it was a bit like Sark, in that you know, there are horse and carriages and nothing more, yeah. although you very rarely hear anything like that. Um, well, apparently, Alderley, where like there are cars, there's only about five because there's absolutely no point, really. Uh, just don't drive, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so we've had we've had people from the Channel Islands tweet us going like we love this detail because it's like just like our hometown. David the writer. <laughs> so we had our flatmate basically as our Channel Islander consultant. Uh, <laughs> we need a Channel Islander consultant. Is this is this all right to say? Is, is this this right? Yeah, no, it's too close to home. You shouldn't. But yeah, will this be considered? It's just Events. racist. Is it? It's just uh, oh god. Uh, but no, no, no. But it meant. But what it meant that we we decided that there were no cars was every sound effect. You, we we record a lot of sound effects ourselves, but. Also, everyone we went to find in Creative Commons sort of stuff to mm-hmm. pull in. Um, there's got, a plane. There's a car. There's a plane. There's thought, a motorbike. Yeah, you can't have those things because, not that we ever say it. Yeah. But you, if you suddenly heard, I think if you heard a car going past on on any of the episodes, you go, huh? "What's that? Yeah. What's that? What's that doing?" And yeah. so when when Georgie brings a moped up and has has found it somewhere and restored it, you think, <laughs> "Yeah, of course she has." <laughs> And and when a man turns up in a random Lamborghini and yeah, Rudyard, how are you doing? And you go, yeah, of course he does. It's part of his character, but he probably had it choppered in. You know, it's he must have. <laughs> I, he must have had it choppered. In. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love the idea of Georgie just standing there looking up at that helicopter as it comes in with a Lamborghini dangling right. Yeah, what the hell is that? Oh, I love helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I mean, there's not. I don't think there's a, a harbour geared up for loading cars in. I don't think there is. There's the, there's the yacht marina. There's, yeah, but that's a yacht marina. There's a yacht marina. How would it? They, it'd have to drive along the jetty. That's a nightmare. It, it <laughs> Onto a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for some fan fiction where someone draws the island and the one road and the one jetty and like they just start drawing this like tiny little island. It's like a little Sim City project. We have a map. actually actually Whoa, on um, a map. on 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 the Lamborghini. No, um, wonderful guest cast member uh, Max Aleska, uh, part of the comedy duo uh, Max Nivan. Um, who did an amazing show in Edinburgh this year, set in a tiny promontory on the south coast. Uh, and as part of their publicity, they, they gave out uh, a map of the island. No way. And, and just had a sort of gap that said, not quite sure, couldn't be bothered to put stuff in here, but it doesn't really make sense anyway, so don't worry. <laughs> or something. It was a joke than that, but it was, it was just lovely. And you thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got the, 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 the same feel of create your own island, yeah. make, make this image. Um, and again, just leaving it to the audience to somehow try and picture the whole thing yeah. together. I love how you because you don't d- don't describe everything. You just imagine some you, any town that you've been to that has that kind of quiet, bizarre, backwards personality. That's 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 the environment that it is, right? And yeah. you do, yeah. that's the great thing about radio. You're not hyper describing everything. You're just letting the imagination go. Yeah, I've been to a place like that. I guess that's why those like other countries that have those random places that they, they get will have it. their small villages. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's, I always think that's a mark of a of a really good radio writer, someone who has the confidence to let the audience 
Yeah. Filling those gaps themselves. Because yeah. like, uh, imagine if, you know, you had Rudyard walking back into fun funerals and going like, oh, golly, the red <laughs> awning on this funeral parlour <laughs> yeah. looks rather spiffing in the sunlight today. However, it is obstructing my view of the door, which is made of oak. Uh, <laughs> there is, come to think of it, there is absolutely no description of fun funerals at all no. in the whole series. There's, there's a description of the business and where it came from. Dusty. Woody. Does uh, it, it possibly says something like that. But um, it, yeah, we have we have a Madeline intro for it. Oh, God. But there's not... There's I'm such an anorak for this. But series. there's not much. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing that lays out. I love the, the kind of, counter. Yeah, I love the conversation vehicle that is Madeline. She's like the narrator. Oh, yeah. When mm. I first heard it, I was like, oh, it's a narrator. And then the second well, I heard the, I was like, that's brilliant because she can just be wherever the narrator needs to be. Yeah. It's like yeah. a great vehicle to kind of... Much, but such a lovely idea that, why not? They should have a mouse in it. And Belinda Lang, like geez. she was superb. That's a, that's a lovely production story as well, actually. With like, um, so we recorded all of her bits separately to the main event. Um, uh, the week after, I want to say, like, the yeah, after it was straight after. Like, still, like you know, knackered from uh, the week before. But um, she came and met us after work on the Monday at his studio at the RNIB, and we did all of those Madeline things in about three hours. Mm downstairs no and like she was just good enough to give an afternoon of her time before she went off and carried on touring Oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> how amazing is that but that, that was the thing with all our cast really wasn't it Andy Hamilton coming in and like oh Andy thank you so much for coming in and doing this what are you up to for us today well I, I'm, I'm writing this film script with this really famous author yeah. and I'm doing this he says hoping that things aren't embargoed and, and, and just <laughs> and, and you just go well thank you for coming here <laughs> yeah. and just being with us and you know and Paul Partner and people like that. And you think, wow, this, yeah. this is extraordinary. Like, get, getting Andy was fun as well, because he, he worked in my office. Um, he, he Roger. Sort of, uh, <laughs> is that he mean? No, no, uh, uh, Andy Hamilton. Oh, okay. Um, so he works in, I worked in uh, the production company, which remain nameless. I don't know why I'm sticking <laughs> to it. Why. It's Patrick. Because everyone knows that Andy <laughs> Hamilton works for Patrick. Yeah, it's pretty Patrick. much it. Patrick, they were nice to us. It's great. Um, I, I think I... I, I <laughs> I think I did it to save embarrassment. Really. I, whatever. Right. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, so he has an office in Hattrick. Uh, not, yeah. not paid by them, but he just writes so much for Hattrick that they've ended up just being like, just have a glass room, just take it. Uh, and I basically just really wanted him to be in it just because it would... Just Andy Hamilton, it's amazing. Like, radio mm. comedy legend. Yeah. Um, if you go back over like his old work, like Old Harry's Game is one of the funniest bit of radio sitcom ever. Uh, it's fantastic. Outnumbered, outnumbered out as well. Improvised sitcom for the modern age. Yeah, yeah. It's, you uh, wrote outnumbered. You yeah, wrote outnumbered. Um, what a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Guy Jenkins did um, uh, Drop the Dead Donkey as well. Just, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. absolutely legendary. I mean, yeah. no, this, this this man is behind some of the most important comedy in this country in the last thirty years, probably. Yeah, yeah. And most people's view of him is that he just sort of sorts onto QI and like just sort of. Like he's very witticisms and then leaves, mm. but like no, just a, a rich history of amazing comedy. Uh, yeah, and uh, so it was just and it was so lovely as well because we got him to play slightly off character. Yeah, um, and he he's, he he was such a wonderful perfectionist as well. He came in and so um, who did he play again? He plays Herbert Cough, Herbert Cough the projectionist. Oh uh, yeah, uh, and so his most famous character is him being on the radio. Well, both his famous characters really are probably McGurk from Revolting People, which is a sitcom set in uh, War of Independence in America. And uh, the other one is the devil in Old Harry's Game. But in both, he plays sort of likeable rogues. Mm. Um, whereas here, he, he sort of st- he slightly steps over the line into a little bit menacing. <laughs> He's lovely, yeah. but you're not quite sure of him. 
And I thought that was lovely. I I, I thought you re- you still really cared about him, and you went, "Oh, it's Andy Hamilton, and he's playing this amazing character." But there was there was something you went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the character brief I, <laughs> I gave him for it was unsettlingly lonely, uh, <laughs> and I think he like he ran with that so hard by the end of it, like because uh, like oh god, I don't want to do spoilers, but um, there's a bit where he gets a bit creepy. Yeah. Uh, it's not that creepy. It's still a light, lovely program. It's still it a light, it? lovely. Pro- it's but, humorously creepy. Yeah, yeah, but like it's <laughs> it's just one line at the end of the episode where like we wanted to give the impression of like basically the show is about everything going wrong for our main three characters all the time, right? And so this is uh, and so him being a bit creepy would make it go a bit wrong for one of their characters because yeah. he's sort of a refuge for them. Uh, and so in this sort of one line he did it about sort of three or four times and then each time he just went no I couldn't do creepy <laughs> <laughs> the way you're saying it's creepy <laughs> <laughs> but my my, my favourite uh, what was I going to say ah it, oh no yeah my favourite thing about all the characters and everything though, saying saying that's creepiness and it was my sort of big directing thing coming into it was while all these people are adults and they're living in this very grown up community that deals with some quite big issues um, they are children in a playground yeah. who haven't quite worked out what social interaction is yet. So you've got the lonely kids in the corner and you've got the mayor who's sort of the king of the playground but doesn't really know why. Yeah. Um, and you've got the clever kid who's behind the mayor helping out. And all these things I, I, I always saw as very much piffling is this playground. But the one thing that leads on to is you know they're going to go somewhere because you know this naivety is wonderful and charming but you know it's got to develop into some sort of complex yeah. situation um, as they grow up, essentially. And so throughout the series, you have love interest developing, you have um, politics between the characters and the businesses developing, uh, and those real family squabbles. And it was such a delight to, to go from lovely, charming, childlike, but very, very clever humour yeah. into something yeah. perhaps a tiny bit more. And Andy's probably the first hint that it's going... Yeah, to go that way. Yeah. It might go a bit dark. <laughs> so I think I've taken up so much of your time, but I, I do feel like I can carry on talking to you for ages. We'll wrap it up now. But mm. my last question cool. is: You've built up all this momentum and all these episodes. When when series two? Or are you going to do a series two? Or? We did we announce are, this the other day. We did. We did just announce series two. Okay. Well, as a as a, we really like want to make it. Yeah, we really want to make series yeah, two. I really want you to make series two. Too. I'd really Yay. want to make series two. <laughs> uh, essentially, though, fill it's a, a buck coming in. It's, it's a problem of means. Um, so the. <laughs> Uh, you, I love the person. You, no, right, no, I love the this person. This is going to sound like really sick. <laughs> uh, I love the person. Who's, uh, I'm going to talk about money. Don't worry, it's not so good. It's a problem of means. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a problem of means. Uh, recapturing our USS. Uh, uh, but like, essentially, we did the first uh, series off a lot of like lovely people giving their time free and whatever, yeah. and like a lot of favors, a lot of goodwill, um, and so almost don't want to be sort of cheeky and ask the same thing again yeah. for no money and all that stuff yeah so um so for series two what we're really trying to do is finding is try and find a way to you know compensate people for their time a bit more um but podcasting not the most lucrative no industry i'm aware of this yeah um so we're basically just trying to find a way to do it however it's gonna happen it's gonna happen yeah have um, you thought of like crowdsourcing a Kickstarter or anything like that? We are probably going to do some kind of thing like that. I have been embargoed from saying exactly what by Felix. Uh, but uh, <laughs> things, um, things are around the corner, I think, is the best way of, of saying things it. Things are around the corner. Um, 
and hopefully there will be a little even before series two we'll have a little bit more a few tidbits we got some treats that, yeah, that we, we have planned and people have signed up for so okay. but also we've got other sitcoms like um, oh we've, we've, we've both got tons of other stuff going on as well so like um, yeah we've got a lot but of, I only want to know about Wooden Overcoats yeah. <laughs> which is fair we, we, yeah we've got the others we, don't exist yet so <laughs> yeah we've got a lot of stuff on the audio scribble development slate that we that we can do quickly and will be doing quickly mm. sort of in the new year um, mm. while we're in line kind of developing the second series of because I think we're going to be sort of launching into it quite quickly anyway yeah. and doing all of the prep for it and then it'll be a case of when it comes to production whether we have the money or not you know that be amazing, be what yeah, comes down to it um, so do you have any sort of date or are you trying to like summer I, 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 wish, I wish we had a date <laughs> we um, haven't even had that meeting yet no, to be honest we've had, so. we've had the meeting of well, we had, we had the meeting before we even started sat in studio to record one. Yeah, going, I want to do another. Yeah, because because <laughs> because we got so many good writers involved, they'd all gone. Oh, but we've got these other ideas. And David had had to rein them back. Yeah. Because well, there are only eight episodes. Yeah. So we <laughs> only. Yes. Um, so, but we 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 knew from that point that there was enough that we loved about all the characters to say no. We definitely want it more. Um, and then the reaction has been so wonderful. I mean. The, the fact the Telegraph came back and said, what was the, the really... Quietly sheet, significant the really moment in radio comedy. Quietly significant moment in radio comedy. Yeah, that was an amazing quote to have, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just a seismic shift in how like podcasts are promoted, or just how great radio doesn't need to be on a radio anymore. Yeah, so yeah. The, whole, the whole industry's kind of shifting. And for someone to feel that we did that for a genre... Yeah, is, yeah, is such a privilege. I mean, is it true? I don't know. Hundred percent. I'm happy to allow. I'm starting to, to listen to them, so you know, there you go. I'm not your entire seismic shift, <laughs> but thank you. You're, um, you're at least a plate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, but I, I think having seen the reaction it's got, we all know that we definitely want to do more. Yeah. And every time I see anyone, even even on all my other sitcoms, they all go, "So, so you, you, you're doing more overcoats, right?" Yeah. So a lot of actors also going. So you doing more overcoats, right? <laughs> uh, but it's it, we should, wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't let it go. I shouldn't commit this to tape, but I'm going to. I had a game uh, uh, earlier, like basically just after the Telegraph thing, yeah, where I started gaining <laughs> followers on on Twitter all of a sudden. Uh, which is very unusual You're for like, me. I'm popular. And, like, I'm popular. <laughs> and then I sort of noticed two trends. And so it became a game whenever the thing came up uh, of uh, I'd go like, I'd read the name out uh, to my housemates and I'd go, actor or Tory? It would all, invariably be an actor who was like, they follow you because they want to work on yeah, it. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, yeah. no, if I was Everyone does it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's people from the Telegraph who are openly like, avid telegraph reader like David Cameron is my homeboy like all this kind of stuff and it's just like is, are you real and may we say, amazing and may we say we're so pleased to have all your yeah, telegraph yeah. readers on board no no I love it uh, like but it was just it was just a particular kind of uh, tele- yeah. telegraph reader that was following me was just like openly very very conservative on you can see where these things have come from and so it, it was just so funny that I was getting followed by no one else yeah like, it was uh, yeah actors or like political activists right? but it's amazing I guess uh, like, it's, it's weird to see your audience you know like mm. yeah Wow, okay, that's uh, like at a live show, that would be like polling everyone that came, exactly what they did, and finding like an unusual amount about each one. You just see on their Twitter feed, you can see what they talk about, what they look like. It's like. We have, we we don't do that because that would be a little bit weird. Uh, I I am speaking for myself. (laughs) (laughs) However, no, no, I um, I, I was was very surprised recently. I I messaged the group because um, I was told by a friend of mine who's an actor that his friend had gone along to one of our live shows who knew 
none of us. Mm. Um, and had just come because he was a fan of the show. And he was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's a really good actor. You should, you should meet him. He was in The Detectorists. And go, oh, wow. So that's another, you know, so, something else we all really respect and really think is a really great piece of comedy yeah. writing at the moment. If you haven't seen it, uh, catch up on it. I mean, I'm a series What's it called again, online. sorry? Uh, the, the Detectorists. The Detectorists. The Detectorists. Uh, written by Mackenzie Crook, who's the, uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean, is um, the one with a comedy glass eye. Yeah. Uh, that guy. And The Office. And The Office, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, a, oh, that's much more in canon reference. Yeah, yeah. He's in The Office. He's brilliant. Never seen The Office. <laughs> Who hasn't seen The Office? Uh, uh, you're stripped of your producer. <laughs> Turn this microphone off. <laughs> um, I did think about, just going off yeah. a bit of a tangent, the thing I love about The Office is me and my friend were talking, I can't think of anything more boring than the jobs that they've assigned those guys, like a paper mill in Swindon, mm. like any other job, like the worst type of job. It's at least interesting because it's so bad, but this is literally the most boring thing you can super, think of. Super bland, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then when you mentioned piffling and this idea of an island, I was like, it's like, I love. It's not. It's not boring. It's just like you've just created something that you think is just like it. It, it should work, but I don't understand how these islands have survived in like a little insular environment. Yeah, like yeah. how are how are they not hundreds of years less evolved than the rest of the <laughs> and, world? And, and, and telly, is, I guess, must be the only way that they just police themselves. With, with any setup, though, it's it, 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 it is how do you how do you make that island plausible yeah. or that place plausible because. Um, like how do they get any money? Like yeah. <laughs> how do they earn any wages and, or anything? And often it's it is it is that balancing act between I it's a lie, I have seen this in the office, I've just never watched it consistently. But it's it's a balance between those ridiculous characters that you think, oh, they can't exist. Yeah, They'd yeah. be fired years ago. Yeah. How has this guy risen to the point of boss? But if you love them enough and yeah. you're invested in those stories and those characters enough, yeah. that you just go, Yeah. Well, yeah. I also think to an extent the office works because everybody's had a boss like David Brent. Yeah. Like they have. <laughs> I've, I've they, been fortunate they, enough yeah. they exist they're real people yeah. and they're terrifying <laughs> I worked at my old office and I almost couldn't watch the office because it was it was too cringeworthy because all those horrible moments of like oh he gets his guitar out kind of felt a bit like I'd had at work yeah, so yeah. but then I'm going to go back to Roger because I literally am a, I, I love the guy but I do feel like everyone knows so happy. knows someone a little bit like Roger who's just lovely but ridiculously stubborn at the yeah. same time yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah just a little bit like my best mate who's actually going to produce the photos and put this on Acast but he's okay. like you're like Roger Dave you should listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> right well I think I'm going to wrap that we've gone well past the hour mark and you guys are giving me all your time and oh, this yeah, amazing sorry. studio setup so thank you so much well, it's been you. really good and I look forward to season 2 series 2 when it comes out yeah, in the summer so maybe this yeah, year yeah. Maybe. Uh, we'll, be, uh, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be in touch to plug our other circles 100%, 100% and I'll be there so thank you so much that was brilliant thank, thank you. you right thank I have you. no idea how to operate that machine <laughs> then you have the lovely bit of audio There you go. That was episode 12 of the Create More podcast uh, with the wooden overcoats. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I think um, if you're still listening to this part, I love this part. I'm just going to waffle on. Uh, no, I have a serious thing to say. So one major person I didn't mention at the beginning as a little teaser is the next podcast is going to be with Fred Mills from the B1M, um, you know, inside the architectural profession. BIM is a massive talking topic, and uh, if you don't know what that is, or don't care about architecture, you know, maybe that's not the podcast for you. But if you do, it's a really, really good one. Fred Mills, he started his own website called the B1M, and they aim to get a million views about uh, not like what software to use, but like why building information modeling, why it's the future of architecture. It's a really, really interesting subject matter, and man, he's, he's, he's 
passionate, but he's also like incredibly articulate in his answers. So um, it's a really, really fun podcast. I've already recorded it and uh, it's, uh, it's a really good one. So uh, I'm really glad I've already got that one there all saved up and ready to go. So unbelievably, I'm just going to stop talking now and say thank you for listening. Uh, tune in, in a couple of weeks time to, um, to listen to the Fred Mills one. And uh, yeah, subscribe and uh, share it to your friends and email me at uh, ben.stuart at createmore.com sorry createmorepodcast.com so um, yeah that's our new website Uh, here you go here's a little secret if you're listening to this um, we we me uh, I've bought I've I've paid up to for a year for a website what what I'm trying to do is over this series is um, build up this kind of visual website of like all the all the podcasts and all the images and things Um, and page cloud is the the kind of website builder that I've signed up to and if you've used these website builders before I use Squarespace and I just it's fine but I didn't really get on with it but page cloud it allows you to like drag and drop images from photoshop so you kind of do everything in photoshop and just drag it across um I mean I say it's simple I just haven't had time to do it but uh I've bought you know createmorepodcast.com so this is this is this is my big plan um uh and I'm curious uh genuinely tweet me um, this is the first of the new series of the series two, but I'm still calling it episode 12 confusingly, but I'm not putting the images on Acast. Um, I put a huge amount of effort into series one to put images on. And what happened was, uh, I found out that actually 95% of the people that listen to this, listen to it through iTunes, which obviously doesn't get the embedded images I do in Acast. Uh, and then actually inside of Acast, uh, I found out hardly anyone was even clicking on the images and people who even me using Acast were like, oh yeah, I didn't realize I had images. <laughs> so I'd spent, you know, hours getting these images in and, uh, you know, making sure they were the, like just the right image. And I was really proud of them, but, you know, for essentially, you know, I want to spend as much time as possible creating content and you know that takes away from doing more actual audio podcast so if in any way you've realized i've not done them i'm genuinely curious because from like my little market bit of analysis uh yeah no one actually kind of well not many people i'm sure some people do but and i'll be honest i listen to the scroobius pit one all the time which is one of the few ones i know that does put images in and i almost never click on the images um but I thought with architecture and a visual medium, mm, would it work? I don't know. But um, yeah, tweet me if it has uh, uh, it's, uh, create more PCAST. Uh, and I'm Ben Stewart. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'm really excited about this series. So uh, thank you. Bye-bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 